Adam Warlock was created by Earth scientists as an artificial, perfect human. For some time, he explored the cosmos, occasionally allying himself with heroes such as the Infinity Watch and the Guardians of the Galaxy. He had a dark side, however, and eventually, in order to prevent his evil self, Magus, from permanently taking over, he convinced Star-Lord to kill him. Recently, the Adam Warlock of an alternate reality was reborn in this reality with the help of Thanos, who has been both an ally and an enemy to Adam over the years. This alternate reality Adam has been reborn with vast power and knowledge, as he contains the energy of his former reality within him, but he does not fully realize just how powerful he has become. Most recently, he was helping Thanos and the Guardians of the Galaxy in their attempt to thwart Annihilus from taking over the universe. But Annihilus banished Thanos to an empty void, the severely wounded Guardians were forced to retreat, and Warlock was taken prisoner. Or was he? This story takes place between the events of the Thanos, the Infinity Relativity original graphic novel, and the forthcoming Thanos, the Infinity Finale original graphic novel. Hello, welcome back to Resurrections and Adam Warlock and Thanos podcast. I'm your host, Al Sedano, and we are back to our covering of Jim Starlin's more recent Adam Warlock and Thanos output. And since we're doing that, that means Brian's back. What's up, Brian? Hi there. I'm back. I'm I'm ready to be the resident Thanos expert. Fake it. Fake it as the resident Thanos expert. I'm here for it. Yeah, you're back after a long hiatus of one episode. Yes, <laughs> I uh, I had to take I had to take some time off. You know, the workload is just killing me. Oh, killing those two me. annuals were big. So Al Al is a stern taskmaster, and uh, I uh, I uh, can only handle so much before I, I need to just re- rest and recharge. And you know, I, I think I need a vacation already. Yeah, <laughs> get back to work. <laughs> Read more comics. Read more comics. <laughs> Work, peon, by which I mean read funny books and talk about them. Yeah, can I get paid for that? That'd be awesome. <laughs> that would be awesome. And speaking of our funny books, this time we are not talking about a Jim Starlin original graphic novel. This is a miniseries that came out between Infinity Relativity and the Infinity Finale. Mm-hmm. Which, as I di- recently discovered, was not the finale, but... <laughs> <laughs> there there was in fact further infinity after the finale so yes. the uh, infinity finale is a big fat lie well but that's the we'll finale get to that when story. we get to that i'm gonna assume that's the finale of the story with this alternate adam warlock okay okay plus the other ones i don't know if adam's in them i know that kind of focuses on thanos and Star Fox. right okay that's good so. to know and hey as long as it's thanos that means i'll be back Woo! Yep. job security i has it 
Yes, your free job security, unpaid job security. Yes, exactly. This job I don't get paid for. Well, I ain't losing it anytime soon. It's good. good Keeps stuff. me off the streets, Al. Yes. No yeah, telling what kind of trouble I could get into. Get me at like I'm a ne'er do well, and I'll be roaming the street, creating all sorts of havoc. So this is good. It keeps me out of trouble. Yeah, you kids and your trouble with your chili and your crossword puzzles. Yeah, I know. I'm a rebel, and I'll never ever be any good. You don't want to get mixed up with a guy like me. I'm a loner, daddy. A rebel. <laughs> yes. <laughs> but yeah, so we are talking about the Infinity Entity miniseries, which mm-hmm. was a weekly series that came out in May and, well, public cover date, May and June 2016. Okay. So, yeah, they didn't waste much time with the sucker. No, that's, well, I, 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 Look, uh, spoiler alert, um, it's because, uh, and I only say spoiler alert because Al has not gotten into the synopsis or the credits yet, but uh, Alan Davis did the art for this. And Alan Davis is very, he's one or two as far as my favorite uh, comic book artists of all time. And of all time is saying something given how many comics I've read in my life and how long I've been reading them. Um, it's pretty much him or uh, Stepan Shaich, but Alan is right on up there and Given how good the art is and given how good he is, I'm reasonably sure that uh, it, the creation of it wasn't a uh, weekly thing. I'm pretty sure this one was in the pipeline for uh, a bit before it's a, a rather speedy release. Yeah, you know, I'm going to have to do, since it was a miniseries, I need to do some research before the next one to see if there was anything written about whether this was supposed to be a fourth graphic novel or not. Because, I mean, four um, issues, they could have done, you know, a graphic novel just had to be in there instead of having three graphic novels with a mini series in the middle. It's that's just a little weird. You know, uh, I mean, and we'll get into this when we're discussing the actual, uh, issue, uh, in a few minutes, but, um, my guess would be, my guess would be no. Um, and I'll explain my reasons for that. I'm sure as we go along, but for now I'll, uh, let you, uh, continue on with the preliminaries. Okay. Well, that's fine. But yeah, so we are talking about Infinity Entity number one. So give me a minute. We're going to drop in the synopsis and probably a promo here. And then Brian and I will be right back. Infinity Entity number one. In the beginning. Writer Jim Starlin. Pencils Alan Davis. Inks by Mark Farmer. Colors Jordan Boyd. Letters VCs Joe Sabino. Editors Alana Smith, Tom Brevoort, and Will Moss. Cover art by Alan Davis, Mark Farmer, and Jordan Boyd. Original cover price, $3.99. Cover dated May of 2016. The on-sale date was March 9th of 2016. And you can find this reprinted in the Infinity Entity trade paperback from 2016, as well as digitally on Comixology and Marvel Digital Comics Unlimited. The alternate reality Adam Warlock finds himself in complete darkness. With no idea where he is, how he got there, or even who he is. His first question is quickly answered. He is at the beginning of the universe, because the Big Bang happens right in front of him. Of course, he is completely destroyed by the energies released by the creation of the universe, but he is able to put himself back together and travels to Earth, though he is not really sure why. Into the recentish past. Still unsure of why he knows some things and not others, he looks for help with the Avengers and finds them but not the Avengers he knows. This is the Avengers from the beginning of Avengers number two, way back in 1963. Of course, 
his sudden appearance starts a fight, but he is easily able to deal with Iron Man, Thor, the Hulk, Giant Man, and the Wasp. Realizing it is not the Avengers he is looking for, but another group, Adam turns back time to before he arrived, making it so the whole fight never happened. He then travels to the current time, and at Starlin's Bar, which is in space, he finds the Guardians of the Galaxy, right after they escaped Annihilus' planet in Thanos the Infinity Relativity. Star-Lord, Peter Quill, is injured, but not too badly. Gamora, however, was shot in the stomach, and is in danger of bleeding out. After the massive fight with the Avengers, Adam decides this time to be slightly out of sync with time, so no one can see, hear, or even touch him. Seeing Gamora does help, as he now knows his own name, and before he leaves Starlin's bar, he heals her. He travels out into space, and is confronted by the in-betweener, who tells him that he must eliminate Adam, so that his own life can have meaning. To be continued. Batman Nightcast is back with new episodes and a new mission. I'm Ryan Daly. And I'm Chris Franklin. The new Nightcast chronicles the Dark Knight Detective's greatest adventures from our favorite comic book creators. What a novel approach, talking about the comics we actually enjoy. I know, right? Highlights from this bold new era of Batman Nightcast include... The Joker's Laughing Fish. The Saga of Ra's al Ghul. Is that how we're pronouncing it? Yes. Okay. Batman versus the Man Bat. And the first appearance of villains like Clayface 3 and the Ventriloquist. Plus more great stories by the likes of Steve Englehart and Marshall Rogers. Denny O'Neill and Neil Adams. Alan Grant and Norm frickin' Brayfogle. Irv Novick. Don Newton. Doug Munch. Dick Sprang. Max Allen Collins. No, what? Just messing with you. Wasn't funny. Batman Nightcast, every month from the Fire and Water Podcast Network. Find it on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and at fireandwaterpodcast.com. All right, so, Infinity Entity number one. So, first of all, you had something to say about your theory about it. Not supposed well, to be a, uh, or not originally intended to be a graphic novel. Well, just leaping now. I've only read issue one. I'm, I'm, I'm sort of being a little bit on, a little bit honest about this. Um, in that I have not read ahead. So at the moment that Same you here. and I are, at the moment that you and I are recording, uh, this this episode, I have only read issue one of the four. Now that said, I am consuming it as part of the Infinity Entity trade paperback collection, which actually started with Thanos Annual Number One, um, which I won't get into great detail here. But basically, uh, at the conclusion of the original Captain Marvel, Thanos becomes a mad god and becomes one with the universe with the for the first time that you and I covered all those months ago. Um, yes. Right at the moment that he suffers his defeat and he finds himself in the uh, realm of Mephisto, he finds himself in hell. He's dead. He's gone to hell. He's earning his eternal just rewards. Mephisto is gloating. And then Thanos from the future turns up. And basically, in a way very similar to the uh, issue of uh, Infinity Entity that we're about to uh, cover, future Thanos uh, basically does a lot of dialogue navel-gazing with uh, 1970s Thanos 
and basically says, I'm just uh, inspecting things from a... Because uh, the future Thanos is from right around the time of the Infinity Gauntlet. Yeah, and, he has the gauntlet, that's right, yeah. Right, so he has the gauntlet, and he's like, well, I'm about to, to be defeated. The time gem has shown me that I'm not going to succeed. And I'm trying to inspect things from a slightly different perspective, so I've come back to sort of explain things to you by way of figuring things out for me. And you're not going to remember any of this, so haha, ha, F you past me. And <laughs> um, so basically that's all that was, but that was the first part of... That was the first thing that is in the Infinity Entity uh, trade paperback. And then the four-issue miniseries commences. So I did read that uh, prior to reading this. Um, And it doesn't, so far, as far as issue one is concerned, it doesn't impact very much. Like the Thanos annual doesn't impact very much on the Infinity Entity yet as of issue one. But all of that prelude and throat clearing and hemming and hawing is in service of, so I explain is my theory. Uh, because I have not read issues two through four yet, only issue one. But this is a lot of sort of placeholding. It doesn't seem very impactful or purposeful. It seems like, I don't know, like sort of restating the obvious or reintroducing stuff that was already introduced or kind of recapping in full-length Starlin uh, style. But any way you slice it, this really seems like sort of rehashing the already hashed and as a result, uh, at least because it strikes me that way so far, my guess would be this was not an original graphic novel that got turned into a miniseries um, as part of any plan, but was just like maybe there was some delays in Starlin's production of the Infinity Finale, and they didn't want readers to forget about the on like that that sort of series that was ongoing so they said okay just write something quickly hash it together and we'll have other artists um do some work just to keep the concept on the front burner and before the eyes and brains of our audience while you finish the infinity finale however long that's going to take you that would be my guess but as you say you uh can probably uh uh, going forward, uh, look into the actual provenance of it in some way, shape, or form. Yeah, if I can find anything about it. And again, also, I haven't read past this issue, too, so for all I know, so we'll see what, how it looks when we finish reading it. My opinion might completely change by the end. Yeah, because there's some stuff in here that makes me think that it's just a placeholder, and there's stuff that goes, well, maybe it's something different. But we'll get to that in a minute. And speaking of that, Thanos Annual, if anyone has forgotten, we have covered that already way back in episode 13. Over a hundred episodes ago. That you and me? Yeah. We actually so I, I actually I'm I'm I was reading that and only vaguely remembering it and completely forgetting that I'd uh jawed about it for a, a podcast episode. Wow. That might have been your first one actually. Ooh, okay. You know what? Uh I think uh, as after we're done with uh, this, I might go back and re-listen to that. And no, not just because I love the sound of my own voice. That's you, just an added bonus. And animals. I'm actually genuinely curious as to what I thought of that annual. <laughs> like, did I like it? Hold on. Did I like it? Wait a minute. I have no memory of this. Yeah, so. you weren't there for Beware the Blood Brothers, episode 12, which is the first Thanos one. Um, oh, no, it says you're, you're back. So you did something else besides you did something else. I've always been around. I've been here since the beginning, kind of like Adam Warlock. In some weird metaphysical. Oh, you were here for uh, episode eight is the first one you did. 
Oh. It was Marvel premiere number one, the first uh, Ad- when he first was called Adam Warlock. Ah, yes, yes, yes. I recall that. I recall that. We had a very good discussion. I enjoyed that one very much. We got into all the religious connotations and whatnots. It was, uh, it was a lot of fun. Yeah. Well, that's definitely going to happen with Starlin. Yes. Yes, indeed. Yeah, but, between uh, Warlock and Death, uh, Dreadstar. Uh, another one that I've been meaning to read for some time. I'll get to that one, too. And, uh, I, hey, I, maybe we can podcast about it. <laughs> yeah, I picked up the... Uh, the, the digital version of the first omnibus of Dreadstar. Cool. So I finished cool. reading that. It's pretty good. Right, um, so, so anyway. Yeah. Infinity Entity. So, yeah, we read it synopsis. So <laughs> we start off with... At, so Adam's there at the Big Bang. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Well, He's, this he Adam, is, because this is that alternate Adam member, not the yeah, one... Yeah, this is... Whatever. This is, you, <laughs> okay. <laughs> this, you is, go. this is new Adam. Yeah, does it? say in here do they have no this one doesn't have it i'm looking on comics.org because i know comic book db would have still around specified which universe this adam was from oh really and but comics.org just has it as adam warlock but i know this is not the adam warlock from the 616 no this is uh hold on i'll bet you i can find it out stand by whilst i uh, consult the box of all knowledge um But, um, yeah, so, uh, but he's amnesiac and he is at the, um, as you say, he is at the Big Bang, but he doesn't remember who he is. So, let's see, the Infinity Entity. Looking things up. Uh, volume 1, 1. Okay, so this is Adam Warlock. Oh, it does not specify. I was looking it up on fandom.com, what used to be Wikia, but it does not specify a, uh, a universe for this Adam. It just says Adam Warlock. Anyway, of carrying on. <laughs> anyway, um, so yeah, he's amnesiac. Uh, who am I? Where am I? Who am I? I cannot remember. How did I come to find myself in such circumstances? And this is what I was sort of alluding to is this whole like sort of, okay, so now we bust him down and in the course of trying to figure out, quote unquote, who he is. And I get the distinct impression this is not the first time we've started a story with Adam Warlock being, you know, who am I? I must spend some time discovering who I am. But uh, I feel like we, 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 we've sort of been there before somehow, somewhere. Yeah. Oh, I found it. Oh, okay. One nine one nine one four one. Okay. Interesting. One nine one four one. I believe that's a zip code in Pennsylvania. So we're gonna. I'm gonna call this Pennsylvania Adam from now on. <laughs> the Amish Adam. Yeah. Yeah. I think. Yeah. Amish Adam. This is a. This is a Philadelphia Adam. Philly Adam. I like that. Philly Adam. This is Philly Adam, as opposed to uh, you know New York Adam. Yeah, it's Philadelphia. There you go. See, I, 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 well, I'm, I'm originally from that area-ish. I knew it sounded like a, like a zip code I would have run into at some point. So yeah. But yeah. So I, I like how he's reminding me of the whale from Hitchhiker's Guide. Yes. Yes. I like words that. are coming to him. He's like, it's like, let's call it ground. Let's call it ground. Wonder if it will be friends with me. And what's this thing coming towards me very fast? So big and flat and round, it needs a big, wide-sounding name like Ow! Ound! Round! Ground! That's it! Ground! I wonder if it'll be friends with me. Hello, ground! Yeah. (laughs) Great scene. Yeah, I love that part. He's there, as he says, 
what Earth scientists call the Big Bang. And he's like, Earth, why does that name sound so familiar? I just I just need to to take a moment here because his first line, the first actual speech balloon in the issue, because he's trying to figure out where am I? Who am I? Why can't I remember anything? And then he wonders out loud, can it be that my brain is not functioning properly? And why would that not surprise me? Wow. <laughs> wow. There are so many places I could go with that. Yeah. <laughs> but and it's a good thing there is no one else present or the 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 mocking would be off the charts. Yeah. <laughs> Especially Thanos. And it's also interesting in this very beginning, and and I again, you know, Alan Davis being a favorite artist of mine, I'm always gonna give him the benefit of the doubt and ascribe, you know, the best possible intentions to him. Um, he creates Adam with these like very wide, staring eyes that give his entire visage a touch of madness. And I'm going to assume that that was deliberate. It's very appropriate for this iteration of Adam. He doesn't know where he is. He doesn't know who he is. He's freaking out just a little. And you can tell that just by looking at his eyes. I like that. Yeah. Well, Adam always does have a bit of madness in him. I mean, otherwise we wouldn't have the Magus. Yes, that is. Uh, yeah, that's the thing. Like, I'm always a little. Oh, I'm constantly rediscovering just how screwed up Adam Warlock really is just psychologically and like he's not your typical superhero he's not even your typical sort of christ figure cosmic stand-in power dude he is like a walking talking acid trip he's just he's freaking out all the damn time he is not tightly wound he is not all there in the head and it makes him a really weird and slightly scary character and i remember first being surprised by this back when i was reading uh, the annihilation series and being like wait a minute i thought adam warlock was supposed to be like a superhero or a good guy why is this guy such an asshole <laughs> plus let's remember this also has to probably do with how screwed up he is think about how old he actually is i mean he was born fully grown mm -hmm. so when he died in like when we had the annuals and he died it says on there 1967 to 1977 he was only 10 right yeah he'd only been he he'd only been in existence for 10 now given all the cosmic shenanigans he'd gotten up to in the back and front and loop-de-loops and you know weird timeline loop-de-loops in the shape of that crest insignia that's on the front of his uh new philly adam uniform here um, you know, it's not surprising that maybe from his point of view, he might be like 110. Hard to yeah. tell. But I mean, it's not like he has any kind of childhood. He didn't have any grow. He didn't grow up. He didn't have a family or parents or even an orphanage or anything. No, right. He just got thrown into the, the crap uh, like right at the deep end. It's like, hi, welcome to existence. Now deal with this. And yeah, yeah that would screw up just about anybody. Even Thanos had a childhood. This is true. This is true. But yeah, so he's at that Big Bang. And of course, the Big Bang, considering what it is, destroys him completely. I loved that. I just love cool looking page. Pretty, pretty graphically, too. Kudos to Alan Davis. Like the skin just blowing off of him and reduced to a skeleton, which is pretty impressive. The Big Bang would have actually just like destroyed. Well everything because it created a whole new universe but the fact that it, that like it just kind of like reduced him to a skeleton but then he reconstitutes and that's like more than a little disturbing and decides to go to earth and i do like that so he he gets obliterated and then he says 
but I am in a different when than I was before. I must pull myself together and reevaluate the situation. It's like, pull yourself together. Ha, I see what you did there, Adam. <laughs> now, I also have to wonder, is this supposed to be that he does it instant? He reconstitutes himself instantaneously and then travels through time, like goes through time to where he wants to go? Or did it take him this long to bring himself back together? Ooh, an excellent question. An excellent question. It's almost a biblical reading. You know, the the debates about whether the uh, the creation account in Genesis is meant to be understood as seven actual days or, you know, seven days that were millions of years long each. Yes. <laughs> and it's all very metaphorical and, and, and allegorical and blah, blah, blah. So, so Adam really having quite a biblical time of it here. Yeah, because, I mean, you have this page where he basically turns to a skeleton and it says... Wait, what is that term I am trying to recall? Yes, that is it. Am I going to die? And then you turn the page, and now creation is there. You know, the universe is there. And he says, apparently not. My consciousness <laughs> remains intact, but I am a different when than I was before. Now, is that uh, he went? Well, here's your thing now, because you have the page turn there. So did he go to a different when? And his con- there is no stopping of his consciousness? Or did it take that long for his consciousness to come back? So he was there the entire time. But to him, it's like it's like going to sleep. You close, right. you fall asleep, you wake up. You don't recall the eight, six, eight, twelve hours you're sleeping. You're just all of a sudden awake. That is an actually an excellent way of looking. Uh, you know what? I'm going to choose to interpret it kind of that way. He gets blown to bits and he reconstitutes himself. Well, it takes him billions of years and his consciousness is the first thing to sort of pull Wake itself up. together and yeah. and come come back to function and you know kind of like regaining consciousness after being knocked out or something like that so yeah and he says my consciousness remains intact but i'm in a different when than it was before it's been billions of years and he's just waking up from that knockout punch he just took yeah because like i said the same thing well, things are different it happened from one that i was before I, I was in bed and it was dark and now it's light out well, that is one way to read it, but let's see if that theory holds up, because yes. now he finds himself in the 1963 Stan Lee, Jack Kirby iteration of the original Avengers meeting yeah. at Avengers Mansion. Issue, somewhere between issues one and two, because the Hulk is still a member. And wow, Davis's Hulk is so brutish looking. Yeah, he is. And note that he went out of his way, and I don't – I'm going to say that this was with the input of Starlin. It looks like both of them resolved to present the Hulk because I don't know if you've read the original six-issue run yes, of a while Incredible ago, Hulk vol- Volume 1. Like I could see why it only lasted six issues because Stan and his and his artists – because it wasn't Jack Kirby the, the whole time no. – were clearly – trying really hard uh, to figure out what direction to take this character. Oh, in. Every issue changes direction. Right. Like, you know, it's like, what are his powers? What is the nature of the transformation? Like what extracurricular gigas and rules are we going to impose that are going to uh, uh, limit his power or that are going to pr- place strictures on his actions? And so it's it's fascinating reading from a historical standpoint. But, you know, when in context, it's very clear that, you know, they had a great initial idea and then very little idea what to do with the character. And the reason I bring this up is because in those very in like issue one and issue two, at least. And I think 
maybe throughout the first six issues. It's been a while for me too, so I'm not going to remember so well. But uh, the Hulk was like his. He wasn't mm, Hulk smash. Hulk hate puny banner. He was more. Ugh, why must I put up with all these yahoos? You know, he was like a real thug. Like oh, like yeah. he was written almost the same way that Stan wrote gangsters. Like he was like the writing of the Hulk wasn't that far off from the way Stan wrote, say, uh, the character of Ox in, uh, yeah, uh, in uh, Amazing Spider-Man. Right. So anyway, the point is, and that is the voice that the Hulk has here in this issue. And in addition to that, Alan Davis draws him with the three toes. Yep, the, I just I noticed that just now. Actually, you start talking, I'm like, oh crap, he does have his three toes. Like just the way Kirby drew him originally in the first issue. So this is very clearly very early Hulk, and they are going out of their way to invoke the original forms and and presentations of that Hulk. And I appreciate that. That is pretty cool, you know. Yeah, and going back on that, you can see where Peter David, for instance, we get his his uh, the uh, influence for what he did with the Hulk. Because for one thing, this early Hulk is very much, whether it is exactly him or not, very much like the gray Joe Fixit Hulk. Yeah, yeah. And that is a, a an aspect like, yeah, Peter David did a lot of good work getting into the psyche of the Hulk and coming up with stories that brought out, well, why has he been so different? Well, we're going to retcon him, but not retcon him gratuitously, but retcon him by way of integrating all the weird and disparate interpretations of the character that have been presented before now. And two, real quick, speaking of those early issues of the Hulk where they kept changing direction and doing different things, my favorite one was when he becomes the Hulk, but he still has Banner's head, so he wears a Hulk mask. Yeah, yeah. It's, uh, and then it's, they knock him out, and they take the mask off, and his, his head now is the Hulk. Right. So it, now he's the Hulk, and they take the Hulk mask off, and it's the Hulk underneath, and it's like, what the, why are you wearing a mask of your own face? I, it's so like it was so so weird like 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 Hulk before they figured Hulk out was like one of the weirdest things about early Marvel and I kind of love it in this way that I don't think it wanted to be loved but I love it anyway. So yeah, we're at an early meeting of the Avengers with like we said that Hulk and we have Iron Man in his original gold armor. But but on the flip side, we have Thor. Both with the lettering, which I mean, Thor's medieval lettering didn't come out until the didn't come around uh, around until, gosh, maybe the 80s, maybe the Walt Simonson run, or mm-hmm. maybe even later than that, that that he got his specifically sort of medievalish uh, font for his speech balloons. Yeah. But on top of that, he's speaking in that medievalish way. Identify yourself, varlet, by Asgard. You know, from the from my grasp, the villain doth. Doth seize mine Uru hammer, you know. Yeah. And and my point is, he did not. Stan didn't really settle upon and master that mode of Thor dialogue until I'd say sixty five or sixty six. So that, in a way, it's like okay, yeah, they're going out of their way to present the Avengers as they were between issues one and two, except for Thor. And I'm just going to be that nerd and point that out. No, that's fine, because here's the thing, and it's actually it's something I think is maybe a Marvel thing, because I was just listening to an episode of John's Megar's Marvel podcast, mm-hmm. and they were talking, and they've talked about that other times as well, that early Thor is basically just Don Blake with the power of Thor, right. not Don Blake 
turning into Thor. Even when he starts dealing with Asgard and Odin and Loki, he's still basically Don Blake, who just happens to have Thor's powers. It takes time before he actually become is just Thor. But their talk, I'll just list, it was episode 100 of theirs, where they read uh, the Avengers Earth's Mightiest Heroes miniseries. I don't know if you remember that one. Came out about 2004, 2005. Uh, I think they said Joe Casey and Scott Collins did it, which basically is, it's kind of like an Avengers miniseries, kind of along the lines of Untold Tales of Spider-Man. It kind of works its way around the first 16 issues, like some of the background stuff and like going in and out of like putting some more context in for those early issues. And in that miniseries, they said the same thing. They're portraying Thor as if he was always Thor, God of Thunder, even from the beginning, when he wasn't that way back then. So so that has, in fact, been a bit of a retcon. So I think that's a different retcon. Just like with the Hulk. Like, they went for two different retcons. With the Hulk, they come with a retcon that those things did happen. But then with Peter David's run, it's like, this is why they happened. And with the Thor, it's almost like the retcon from Marvel is, no, 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 no. He always was Thor. Correct. Correct. So it's um, an interesting thing. It's like they're doing both. It's like they're doing, they're choosing both options for the, you know these early times. It's like, we're going to go this way with him and this way with him. And to, to swing back the other way, um, another thing that they are uh, definitely deliberately invoking from this early 60s Marvel scene is the absolutely moronic way that superheroes basically uh, fly off the handle and begin to pummel random strangers. Yes, because as Adam Warlock shows up and Thor goes, identify yourself, varlet. And And immediately goes to, like, attack him. And it's like, that is exactly the sort of, like, brute force plotting that, you know, well, we need to have an issue in which the X-Men and the Fantastic Four fight each other. Okay, we'll just have them, you know, insanely misanthropically mistrustful of strangers and have them immediately assume the worst and start beating on each other before asking any questions. But Adam remembers Thor from his appear- his time in the Thor issues where when yes. it was still him. And, and decides- he was trying to kidnap Sif. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He says it seemed like a very minor offense. Not really that minor. You were trying to kidnap his girlfriend, dude. Not a minor offense. Yeah. <laughs> but I like he just takes the hammer. Right. And I love that because, you know, that is a thing that has been like everything. It's a plot point that has been so carefully managed over the years. Like only the worthy can pick up the hammer. And it's like, well, Warlock is clearly worthy. You know, they don't know who he is, but clearly that has to give them some pause. No, apparently it doesn't. Everybody in the Avengers continues to try to beat up Adam. Well, again, that's also another retcon because from back, listen to John's show, because I haven't read all those early marbles. So, you know, but they're covering them all. Thor's hammer was more of a, it seems like more of a because Thor's strongest can lift it, not a only the worthy. I see. Because, in fact, they just covered the, at least in the part I'm listening to around episode 98, 99, the hammer is actually broken in his first battle of the Destroyer, and he just goes to Pittsburgh and fix it. Oh, gee, okay. Okay. He goes to, he goes to a Pittsburgh, you know, iron plant and goes, all right, it's fixed. So it's he, not, that's not the Uro hammer we know from later on. Right. It's much like the Hulk. They were still figuring stuff out. Exactly. But that's been the retcon now is that no, 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 no. It's always Thor. And as we're going to see in a minute, it's always has to do with the worthy because he grabs the hammer, tosses Thor out the window and then gives the Hulk the hammer. And kind of like Loki in the first Thor movie, 
Hulk is now stuck on the ground, this hammer on top of him because he can't get out from underneath it. Now, here's the thing is if Starlin had given me any indication that his warlock had a sense of humor, then I would then this would be like the greatest joke ever. Is it your comrade's weapon you seek here? You may have it. But Starlin has never, ever like hinted in even the slightest way that his version of Adam has even a little bit of a sense of humor. So, I mean, it's a funny moment, but it's almost made funnier by the absolute by the fact that 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 Adam actually means this exactly the way he says it. He's that clueless. Thanos has more of a sense of humor than he does. Yes, yes. But yeah, then Iron Man blasts him, and of course, he just short circuits Iron Man's armor. And I also, I also found it, uh, one one little nitpick, a little no prize uh, nitpick here. Um, Adam says in his uh, little like thought narration here, he goes, "The little man on the ant called this behemoth the Hulk." And I'm like, "Well, actually, before that, Hulk called himself the Hulk because he actually said Hulk will smash pushy Goldilocks guy." And yeah. I'm like, "Wait a minute, what? He was just talking like a like like a gangster a few two pages ago, and now he's back to now he's gone all the way ahead to uh, Hulk smash." And then right after that, it says, "Gonna club you senseless with it." Right, so there's some inconsistency here, and I do not want to think poorly of Starlin and say, well, now, this would, however, if we did want to chalk this up to some sort of carelessness in the writing, that would lend credence to my earlier theory that this miniseries only exists as an emergency stopgap during uh, the production of Infinity and Finale taking longer than Marvel anticipated. That's possible. Although you also could go with the whole thing of that the Hulk's personalities were still kind of, from what I remember from the, you know, the Peter David recon of it is that they were kind of still in the early days figuring themselves out almost. So he could, he's almost like a mix of the classic Green Hulk and the, you know, the Joe Fixit type Hulk. Maybe. And it could also, we could also be going meta and doing another sort of shout out hand wave at the way the early Hulk was constantly shifting concepts, so to speak. That could just be another layer of meta. I wouldn't put that past Starlin either. And also, up until a certain point, my th- my thought was because as we, as I said before, before uh, with when I did the previously, Adam, this Adam was captured by Annihilus. So my first thought in reading this, and I'll tell you when I stop wondering, and I start wondering if that's correct or not, is that this is all in his head. So that could be, as I recall, Dr. Boltar threw him into what was it called? The dynamo chamber or something like yeah. that. And uh, you're right. So this might all be they hook the electrodes up to his head and they're sucking his brain dry of knowledge. And this is how it's manifesting itself. Yeah. So it, any inconsistency can be explained that way. But there's going to be a point where I'm going to start wondering now. And I'll tell you when I get there. OK. But yeah. But so we continue fighting as giant Ant-Man becomes giant man. Which he wasn't Giant Man at this point, was he? Issue two. Was he, he already was. Giant Man when the Was he already uh, Giant Man when the uh, when the um, Avengers formed? Not with issue one, but by issue two. Oh, interesting. I I had forgotten that. So obviously, this could be issue two. I mean, in fact, I haven't gone. I haven't done that. I'll have to do it before the next time. I have to go back and read issue two. For all I know, that's the exact you know the the lines they say in the beginning is the exact thing they say in issue two when it, when that starts. 
but I love I love the I I mean again this is this is the 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 brute force not very bright 60s Marvel guys. I mean these dudes were not they were they were meatheads. Stan wrote a bunch of meatheads in the 60s because he casually uh, ta- he casually uh, handles Thor's hammer, tosses Thor out the window, um, puts the Hulk down for the count, short circuits Iron Man's armor, and so Giant Man just ca- like is still of the opinion that you know he says you should have realized that a lot sooner, Blondie, before you made the mistake of mixing it up with the Avengers. And I'm like, mixing it up with the Avengers doesn't even remotely look like a mistake for this guy, Hank. You, uh, you're you really not processing what you have been observing for the last few minutes, are you? Yeah, not that good a scientist, are you? He's. I guess some lessons have to be learned the hard way. Yeah, you're going to learn them. As he flips them over by the finger. Just not and- real bright, not real bright at all imprisons the wasp in a little gold ball and then Mm -hmm. thor and hulk are back and they actually get some punches in and then for for what it's worth well adam's trying and i like this while they're hitting him adam's like trying to remember okay so it's not the avengers i know i was thinking i was looking for who is it one of them does have long hair but it's dark and at least one of them has green skin so maybe that's why i was confused hmm it's almost like they're hitting yeah, a name similar. It's like they're, while they're hitting him, he's not even reacting to it. He's like, right. so let's see. Punch, punch, hit, hit, punch. Did I punch. leave the oven on? Whack, yeah. whack, whack. <laughs> oh, yeah, I guess I should knock them down. And he puts them in little containers, including Jarvis. Ah. It almost looks like a yellow lantern prison. Yes, yes. Or um, something very similar to the the tanks that Thanos put the Avengers in, in the uh, Mm -hmm. Marvel two in one annual. Yeah, exactly. That's true. And realizes, okay, this is a mistake. I shouldn't be here. Maybe it's better if I was never here. And so obviously we can see another difference between our Adam and this at Philly Adam is that he's like, all right, so I'm just going to put everything back and push time back. So no one even knows I was here. And this does sort of, mess with our earlier theory uh, that time is linear for him because that was kind of the implication when we were surmising that he took just took billions of years to reconstitute himself and uh, that was when his consciousness got pulled back together we were sort of implying and assuming that basically yeah. time was still working in a linear fashion for Philly Adam and I'm of the opinion that at this point it clearly isn't because not only no. is he able to personally actively choose to mess with the flow of time in this instance but the very next page he finds himself in what we could basically call quote-unquote the present yeah and here's the part where i start wondering well is this a dream because now he's with the guardians basically right after they escape from the negative zone at the end of uh infinity relativity correct So that's the part where I'm starting to go, well, is this still part of the dream or is this actually happening? Because if it's actually happening, then is it that he's, I mean, he's obviously captured, but like, is he powerful enough that even captured, he's still able to be free, so to speak? Like, well, part of him is captured, part of him is still walking around doing stuff. I mean, at this point, my working theory, you know, it's like in a way we, the reader, are in a very similar position to Adam in that we're walking through these this this strange confluence of events and really trying to figure out just what is happening. 
And my, uh, so I'm constantly, as I turn each page, my, much like Adam, my working theory of what is in fact going on is changing. And so at this point, my working theory of what's going on is Adam's physical form is in the dynamo chamber, having done whatever to it that, um, Dr. Boltar is doing. But remember, he was he wasn't killed in the infinity relativity. He was neutralized. And I'm thinking and I'd have to go back and I'm not going to do that right this second, but I'd have to go back and review what specifically um, what specific event like was he blasted? Was he mind taken down? Whatever. The point is, whatever it was that happened to him disassociated his essence, his consciousness, his energy, his soul, if you will from his body. So this is Adam. This is, this is, this is actually happening. This is my working theory that all of this is actually happening, but this is Adam's soul. And so this is all of his, of his power and all of his consciousness and all of the stuff that makes Adam, Adam, he's just separated from his physical form. So the only thing he can't, the only difference between the Adam of the infinity relativity and this Adam is that he can't punch anything. Well, except he can. He does punch the Avengers. That is true. That is true. Well, so but, much for that working theory. Okay. <laughs> well, remember what Thanos said, though. He contains the, all the ability and power. He contains all the power of that universe that was destroyed that he was from. It's not that he's the only survivor of his universe. He has, it's like, that. You know, he's the only survivor of the universe, and all the power of it went into him. Right. So he... Theoretically, then I'm guessing is powerful enough that even if it's just his mind, soul, whatever you want to call it, out that's free, can still be physical if he wants to, or as we're going to see in these Guardians pages, um, completely, you know, inc- you know, like a ghost, you know, unable to be seen. And this is and what, another thing that's very interesting about this is so he's his his consciousness or whatever goes back to the Avengers, and he can kind of remember that they're called the Avengers, but he doesn't remember their individual names. Like, remember, he had to be reminded, oh, the man on the ant called this one the Hulk. Whereas, and something is tickling around the edge of his consciousness anyway, um, even at that time. So now he gets here, and the minute he sees them, he remembers they're the Guardians of the Galaxy. Their names are Drax and Gamora. Like, he remembers them immediately. And I have to think that that is uh, deliberate on the part of Starlin, the storyteller, and also within the story, that is a function of he, while he encountered the Avengers, he was never terribly emotionally involved with them, whereas he was absolutely emotionally involved with the Guardians of the Galaxy on every level uh, throughout his existence. Yeah, because he really doesn't have much to do with the Avengers except for that ending. Right, exactly. His last time, you know, he had what, an encounter with Thor and the Hulk once, and that pretty much is it. Right, right. You know, up until that, up until those two annuals, he had nothing to do with the Avengers. He didn't know them. Right, exactly, exactly. So he 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 he's ghosting there, and he sees he, they're in Starlin's bar, which Starlin himself did not invent. Starlin's bar that was uh, like Bendis, probably in the in his uh, run. And Starlin was probably just flattered and said, oh, "I'll keep that because, haha." Oh, real I'm quick. still alive. Yeah. Go flip back to one of the pages. You can go. I mean, you go back to the redo page where we see the Avengers at their meeting. Yeah. Okay. You know, so when you we're talking about that, so I just went and looked up real quick. Hold on, let me make it a full page. On my phone, on the Marvel Limited app, I looked up Avengers number two. 
and we see Thor and Hulk and Iron Man standing there. And Hulk does have three toes, like you said. Mm-hmm. And this is what they say in Avengers number two. Where is Ant-Man? We can't begin our meeting without him. He'll show up. Never fear. In the meantime, is it necessary for you to attend our meetings clothed in that, that repulsive manner, Hulk? Iron Man, if you don't get this yellow-haired Yahoo off my back, I'll boot him up to Asgard for good. No one talks to the Hulk like that. Not even Thor. So what you're saying is they, they, they just uh, imported this panel wholesale. Yeah, with the exception of what the Hank and the, the Ant-Man and the Wasp say, because that is not what they say, what they say in the issue. But yes, they are actually taking. So this is actually supposed to be the scene from the first page of Avengers number two, word and for word. It. And we get it twice. Cool, cool, so, cool, cool. I was wondering if that's what they were doing. So yes, sorry, I had to look. I just popped my head. I'm like, oh yeah, I can look that up real quick. No, that's good. That's excellent. Excellent context there. But yeah, so we're back to so back to where we were. So we're with the Guardians, and Gamora is badly wounded. She she got gut shot fighting the Bug Army in Infinity Relativity, and now she is bleeding badly. She is very likely going to um, bleed out and die uh, as things look right now. And Adam actually it does have some emotion here. Well, remember what we talked he, about with uh, John, this whole like sort of, well, and if I if my entire life hadn't been devoted to fighting and suffering, perhaps there could have been some connection there. But as it is not. So he definitely. Yeah, there's definitely some emotional connection to Gamora, at least. Yeah. Whether whatever it is, though, eh, with Adam, especially this early part of Adam, I'm not really putting it as romantic. It's just like I actually have an emotional, you know, he has an emotional connection with two people, really, at this Correct. point. I mean, Correct. at the point we were talking about it with Avengers Annual when he died, he only had an emotional connection with two people, Pip and Gamora. Correct. And, well, and 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 Thanos to an extent, not a good emotional connection, but an emotional connection to Thanos. Mm-hmm. That is true. So, yeah, it's not so much, at least as at that point, when he, the Avengers Annual and the Marvel 2 Annual, it wasn't so much romantic. It was just, I think it was just more of a, that was the point of view of most of majority point of view of the set or late seventies. No, absolutely. Oh yeah. Absolutely. It's a girl. You're but a guy. St- here's a girl. You're going to be involved, right? It's like, no, not really. It's just, this is one of my only friends. <laughs> but the, the point is strong emotional connection. And he's, yes. um, he has a name. He has a name. Um, he somehow he hears her say must find Adam. He hears Drax say we'll go back for Warlock, and somehow like this pings the the synapses in his brain, and he says Adam Warlock, Adam Warlock, that's me. I have a name, and it is Adam Warlock. And, and then he rem- wounded and one. He, I remember with great fondness. And he does remember the wounded one with great fondness. And boy, does at the way Alan Davis draws her here, she looks like she is right on the brink of death. It is a little disturbing, <laughs> yeah. actually, in, in, in a way that I appreciate. She cannot be allowed to depart this realm prematurely. And she's healed. Yeah, no, just suddenly. And I, I, I like the way uh, Rocket said, you were gut shot, gal. And I do mean were. <laughs> yeah, and... She's like, there's not even a scar. It's like, not even a scar. You don't even have a, a break in your armor. <laughs> How do you tell us there's a scar? <laughs> Wait, but this is my favorite part. Okay, so so everyone's like, oh, okay, you know, suddenly, all of a sudden, you're healed. Wasn't our doing, you know, and, and then Rocket says, didn't the Titan say something about Warlock suddenly having new powers or something? To which Gamora responds, and and just just bear with me here. Gamora responds, yes, Adam must have healed me. That makes sense. No, it doesn't. 
that doesn't make any sense, Gamora. He's not there. To be fair, most things that Gamora has been dealt with that involve Adam don't make sense. Well, right. But she <laughs> insists that it does. And I'm just this is well, some crazy new meaning of the word sense with which I was previously unacquainted. Unless I'm going to hold that for now and see if anything else is revealed further on. Because okay. he obviously, you know, like, does he, did he, when he did that, did he, you know, say anything? Like, you know, will we find out that he let her know it was him in some way? Like, even just, like, as a feeling or, a feel, you know, pass on a feeling or something? Okay, okay. But, and what I like is the rest of the Guardians buy into this. Because then he's like, so if it was Warlock who fixed you up, how come he didn't heal my wound? Rocket says, yeah, this is definitely has to be Warlock's handiwork. Like, everyone's buying into this, and it makes no godly sense at all. Here's the thing, though. The Rocket thing, you're reading it out of order. you got to read Gamora's line first. So it goes from Star-Lord, how come he didn't heal my wound? And then Gamora, that's what you get for shooting at him last year, Peter. Well, Red, I was waiting for that. Yeah, yeah. that's Warlock's handiwork. Rocket's like, so he heals Gamora, not you? Yeah, that, I can see that. <laughs> well, Rocket's like, I, I believe that part. Okay, no, you 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 make an excellent point. Read in that order, it actually does make sense. Okay, okay, you convinced me. I'm buying it. <laughs> That's the thing. What Rocket's going with? It's not so much he believes it's what he's like fully believes what Gamora's saying, but it's like, well, I'm healed, and Peter's not healed, and we know that you you killed him, and, and we he know has you've not forgiven you, and we know you've always been friends with him. So, yeah, I could believe that he would heal you and not him. <laughs> Shoot him. He killed Warlock, but it didn't stick. I still I've I've banged on at great length um, ad nauseum about this in our episodes about the infinity uh, revelation and the infinity relativity. But that said, I still it still like takes me aback the way Starlin writes Drax so much differently from everyone else. Yeah, it's a little off. Well, that is... a little off, but anyway. So now, uh, incorporeal Adam stalks off, and it's interesting the way he he's sort of skulking away through the bar. That's pretty interesting to me. Also, I I really want to go to Starlin's myself because look at how many bottles they have. I've never been in a bar with that much booze in it. Well, I guess if oh. you're an intergalactic bar, oh. you got to have something for everybody. I mean, can a Cree drink the same thing that a Skrull can? Can you know? I'm just saying that is like a library of booze. I am here for it. Yeah, I'm into that. (laughs) But I mean, there's got to be things that like certain alien races can drink that would kill others completely. So like they can't have, you know, they got to have all different types. That's true. That is true. You can't mix your, you know, your Romulan ale with your uh, tequila. Um, Yeah, there you go. (laughs) But as he's walking away, I like how this like this changing. So he's leaving. He says full enlightenment awaits elsewhere, I feel. Yes, there's another path to follow. You know, and so he's walking off, and as he's walking, the bar from the left part of the, of the panel onward, the silhouettes of people start turning into space silhouettes. Yeah, and, yeah, and no, the bar I, starts fading away as he's walking. I like that. That's pretty cool. It's almost a cinematic effect, almost as if a fade out or um or a circle wipe was executed around him, and that's yes. kind of. That's really kind of nifty. You're right. That is a cinematic and uh, pretty awesome technique. Yeah, except I haven't seen that done in a movie where the character's walking off, and while they're still in focus, the the, the wipe is happening to the next right. scene, and right. as they walk in, literally into the next scene. And his and his musings, 
his his navel gazing is actually interrupted by a burst of light that calls him aberration. He goes, who? And the burst out of the burst of light becomes our favorite jerk. <laughs> the in-betweener. Betweener. I exist to travel and explore the realms separating dichotomies, be they abstract or concrete. Your existence is an affront to my life's purpose. You must be eliminated so my, my being continues to have meaning. Yeah, and so Adam basically... Says, I like Adam's response. Really? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, I kind of... And you take that... <laughs> really? Next. Why? It's like yeah. uh, that all goes together. So, but, but you're right. Basically, the, take away the highfalutin cosmic language and basically what the in-betweeners uh, uh, entrance here boils down to is you give me a headache, therefore I must eliminate you. Yeah. That's kind of rude. Yeah, well, the in-betweener is a jerk. He really, really is. Yeah. Everything. And not even his, his cool faux kung fu garb uh, can, uh, can uh, take away from that. Yeah. But so, that, like I said, so the Guardian's part, because up until then, everything could be in his head. But the Guardian's part, if that actually is in reality, then it's like, well, maybe there's something more going on here. Than a, and that's why I was wondering, is this supposed to be just a space holder? Because if we're just doing a this is all in Adam's head thing, that could be a space holder. But if it's now affecting what's happening outside, you know, in reality itself, not just in his head, and therefore will affect the story going forward. Well, then it actually has some meaning to it. Well, time will tell. That will have to uh, wait until we tackle issues two through four, won't it? Yes. And like uh, the, 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 the actual answer to that question. Yeah, because, I mean, I... again, is that really happening or is this all still in his head, even but the if, Guardian stuff? But if I was going to lay a bet on the answer to that question, I would bet that it's probably it is actually happening. It is um his consciousness, his soul, whatever, has been disassociated from his corporeal body, and he is witnessing things that are actually happening. He is having actual, real experiences. And, and I, uh, I am going with that. I am going with that for the most for now. But I am leaving. I am saying I think it's. You know, I will still say it is. Po I won't be completely surprised if it turns out to be all in his head. So I, we'll find out. And you just reminded me of uh, that great song by the by uh, Gorillas. Uh, Clint Eastwood, uh, which the uh, the rap by Del the Funky Homo Sapiens ends at the end of the song with "It's all in your head," and then it all like returns to the chorus. Good song. Yes. That Recommend. is a good song. I like it. I like Gorillaz. <laughs> yeah. Y'all can see me now because you don't see with your eye. You perceive with your mind. That's the inner. So I'ma stick around with Russ and be a mentor. But a few rounds of motherfuckers remember what the thought is. I brought all this so you can survive when law is lawless. Right Feeling sensations that you thought was dead. No squealing. Remember that it's all in your head. Hey, it happened. I'm feeling glad I got... It's a small Comics come in all shapes and sizes. Coming soon from the Fire and Water Podcast Network. It's Digest Cast, a new show dedicated to our beloved pocket-sized treasures from that bygone era of the 70s and 80s. Hosted by the Fire and Water Podcast team of Robin Shag, and we'll be joined from time to time by special guests. It's Digest Cast, because big things come in small packages. Coming soon to the Fire and Water Podcast Network.
We're going to get to the friends and enemies segment in just a minute, but first let's cover our feedback. This time we are talking about feedback from episode 116, The Final Flower, in which Brian Zeno and I covered the Thanos backup story from Logan's Run number 6. And the post about that episode was liked and shared on Facebook by Michael Lane, Barushan Han, Hal Jordan, Jason Venable, Ruth and Darren Sutherland, Bill Dunleavy, Mike Peacock, Gene Hendricks, Clinton Robinson, Derek William Crabb, Bill Baer, Tim Price, and Jesse Starcher. We also had a comment from Paul Spataro about it saying, cool, we're doing a retrospective of the series on bins. And he's of course referring to his show on the Two True Freaks Network, Back to the Bins, and they talked about issues one and two of Logan's Run on episodes 420 and 428 of that series. On Twitter, the post about the episode was liked and retweeted by Secret Wars and Beyond Podcast, Galacy Art, Jason Snick Venable, John O'Coin, Bots Bots Portados Lados, Coffee and Comics, Kirk Spencer Trades Comics for Commissions, Chris Lydon, Yul Espinosa BLM, Into the Night, Cable Says Wear a Mask, Dan's Hat, Pedro Pablo G. May, Jeff Verstadt, Brian Z. Probably Disagrees with You, Glenn Hintu Health, Ricardo Mujica, Comics in the Golden Age, Simon on the River, at Deckard27, Chaos Dreaming, Patrick R. Carey, Pablo, G. Brunk, M. Swanson 300, a.k.a. Mark, Adam Santer, Franciosos, Adam Juarez Rios, David Wetzel, Daniel Rockenbach, Jerome B., Dave Sellers, Byracant Terhan, Carl Disley, Jose Antonio Ribeiro, Gary Mooney, Biggie Pop, Lee Broughton, Dallas Baumgarten, Thomas Jerome Newton, Mikey Mike and the Funky Bunch, Simone Gigliamini, Spaghetti Moore, Gary Kay, Nima Sorat, Alexandre Dimote, Donald Bergen, David Garcia, King Dinosaur, Lorenz Kinkis Art, Dave's Comics Heroes Blog, Bill, Daniel Latour, Richard Watkins, Steve James, Kevin Stay Ray, Green Lantern HG Fighting the Good Fight, Rad Adventures, Brian Gooney, and Anthony Combs. And we had some comments. Uh, Kevin Stay Ray said, Brilliant Gulacy cover, just incredibly well done. And Brian Gooney mentioned that the online channel Dust is showing reruns of the Logan's Run TV series. Cool. So if anyone's looking for it, that's the place to find it. Now, if you want to hear yourself mentioned here, possibly mispronounced, <laughs> but if you want to hear your name said, well, you can just like and, sh- and or share the episode post on Facebook. Just go to our Facebook page, type in Adam Warlock, and it pops right up. Or on Twitter, we are at Adam Thanos Pod. Give us a follow. We'll talk about the comics we're covering. We'll talk about other comics that we're reading or comics we've read before. Any comics. And it's all cool. You can also send an email to resurrectionspodcast at yahoo.com. And don't forget, I do have another show I am on, L-E-G-I-O-N-P-O-D-Cast. We are covering the late 80s, early 90s DC cosmic series, Legion. Not Legion of Superheroes, but the acronym Legion. Uh, You can find that on the Legion of Substitute Podcasters feed and on their page. And since since our last episode is out, we've had episodes 14 and 15 released. And now it's time for our Friends and Enemies segment. 
And in case you've forgotten what it is, or this is the first time you're listening to the show, in the Friends and Enemies segment, well, Adam and Thanos don't always have their own series. So a lot of times we're covering different titles. So what we do in this segment is we just check in on those other titles to see where they are, the same cover date as the main issue we were talking about earlier. The only difference is this time, the main issue we were talking about earlier is a weekly series. So we're not talking about everything that came out that cover date, we're just talking about what actually came out that actual ship date, which was March 9th, 2016. But I am not here alone because, well, then I'll be alone with my own thoughts and that's a scary thing. (laughs) No, no, today we have with us returning to the show after too long, Jason Snick Venable, host of the podcast that goes Snick. So if you want to know anything about Wolverine, this is the guy to talk to. That's right. Hey, Al, how are you? I'm good. How are you doing, Jason? Doing good. Good. Uh, I'm glad to be on this segment as both a friend and an enemy. Yes. <laughs> he's a friend for doing it, but he's gonna make he's gonna make me pay for it later. <laughs> Maybe so. Well, Don't worry. The check's in the mail. <laughs> nice. Any problems with it? You just have to contact Ryan Daly. Oh, okay. He's responsible for everything. Well, I'm just, uh, I'll hold over that, that possible idea of doing Hickman's, uh, was it Fantastic Four Avengers he did the survey on? Anyway. FF, his, I think. Yeah. Yeah. So I'll hold that over him. There you go. <laughs> what the hell are you talking about? <laughs> and so this time we only have one title to talk about. So it's going to be quick. This time we are talking about Mighty Thor number five. The Civil War of the Gods by Jason Aaron and Russell Dodderman, covered by Russell Dodderman and Matthew Wilson. Thor vs. Odin, the biggest, meanest, bloodiest Thor-Odin showdown ever. <laughs> and in the war for Asgard, there will be casualties. And our cover is an extreme, extreme, extreme close-up of Odin with the reflection of Thor. Now remember, this is the James Foster Thor coming up to punch him in the uh, his golden eye patch. Yeah, that's a fantastic cover. It is. Now, have you, what is your familiarity with this run of Thor? How much have you read of it? I right, so so all of it. Um, hmm. And I will say, uh, my bias will probably show, I don't like to put like final rankings around stuff because that changed my mind too much. But I mm-hmm. will say that um, Jason Aaron's Thor run, if you will, including all the different artists and all the different volumes, but that whole thing from when he started to when he uh, kicked off with King Thor at the end there, that's on the short list of my favorite comic runs, period. So you kind of like it. Yeah, yeah, I like it a lot. <laughs> and then and then this 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 long stretch with Russell Dodderman on the art, uh, and Dodderman is he he's a a god among artists. So for him to draw, you know, the thunder god is is very apropos. It's this we're we're in a good part of this book, a very gorgeous part of this book. When he sent me the issue, I was like, oh yeah, I can uh, I can read this again for sure. Yeah, good. Yeah, Thor. Um, I read some of his first run, Jason Aaron's, like the one mm-hmm. the King Thor story with I think it was it Gore the God Butcher? Is that the guy? Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. And I read the six issues, the initial six issues of Jane as Thor, the one that ended right before Secret Wars. Okay. 
I just haven't had a chance to read any of it since. Well, I would highly recommend it. Yeah. Well, right now I'm doing a kind of uh, post-Secret Wars read-through, so it'll be on there oh, eventually. Nice. Very cool. But so I did, but I did that six issues. I did like a lot. It was really well done. It was really yeah. good. But this one, I realized, is not the same run. I was like, is that the one I read? But this is like more <laughs> right. than six issues. It does, you know, the 2010 plus with everything kind of starting and stopping and starting over, it does get a little confusing to remember, okay, mm-hmm. which volume am I in? Did, did I read this one? Did I... And is it Ant-Man or is it one of the other titles that had like two volumes in that same year? Yeah. That they're both like six issues or something. Right. So It gets confusing. It does, for sure. Especially when you're trying to like look up your issues and dig stuff out and find stuff. But yeah. luckily, Marvel Unlimited was able to uh, keep me keep me straight on this one <laughs> yeah. but yeah so this is basically a thor odin fight and it's pretty awesome i mean there is it is it's great yeah one of the best things about jane foster's thor is just how badass she is i mean on yeah. on par with with all the thors ever you know you know whether it's original thor beta ray whoever i mean she she holds her own with the hammer because we start off with like the personal note right um, oh yeah, I was thinking. Talking I was looking about back. how um, you know Odin never thought she was good enough. That he's kind of the reason she never got to be with uh, Odinson Thor, and then she kind of like channels that and takes it out. <laughs> and I don't know. Her relationship with Molnir is is really cool. You know, they punch their way through space, and we get all the uh, the Asgardian political stuff. Um, with you know Freya and Loki coming back and Malekith oh. and kind of leading up to War of the Realms, it's it's really good. Yeah, no, I did like that part where she's like, where she's like, he's the re- main reason we were never together, and I'm like, well, yeah, because Odin's always been a dick. Right. He's a yep. jerk. Odin's yep. always a jerk. He's you know he's he's up there with those uh, you know kind of infamous Marvel jerks. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know, him and Xavier, and you know whoever else you want to throw on the list. You the in betweener, right? Yeah. Well, that's because that we deal with him a lot. So yeah, he's a jerk. <laughs> and I'd also decided a while ago. I think it was early in the show. Jor-El. Oh yeah, yeah yeah. Well, Silver Age Jor-El, because it's one thing to send your kid out into space when your planet's going to blow up. I get that. I have no problem with that. But what did he? How did he test it beforehand? Hey, let's take my son's <laughs> puppy and send him into space. I'm like, okay, jerk. <laughs> like you don't have anything better you can't put a computer simulation in there or something to simulate right. life no you gotta take your son's puppy <laughs> jerk yeah but yeah I'm skimming through right now on Marvel Limited and I have like that page where they're all Freya has like all the like the Warriors 3 and uh huh that's a nice panel yeah I forget her I forget her name but the other the one Valkyrie that I know her history goes back a while I remember right. seeing her in some Bronze Age stuff and, and uh, uh, lots of stiff in her red outfit, and basically it's there. It's them fighting. What's his name? Cull, the the uh, Odin's brother from Fear itself. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The Norse god of fear comes in with his destroyer and his little army. Um, what do you think of a Dotterman's panel work? Like he does lots of interesting shapes and stuff. It's really really nice. I, I, I like that. I do like that. But I mean, to be fair, 
you know, I'm used to that because Starlin does a lot of that stuff, especially like the Captain Marvel stuff and the Warlock stuff. He does a lot of interesting things with the panels. Because yeah. I'm looking right at this now where Thor and Odin are fighting through space, like around Jupiter. Uh-huh. And so, like, there's, like, this one page where it's, like, it's all one background, and then there's, like, three panels, like, interlaid on top. Yeah. Yeah, it's pretty cool. Yeah. No, it's nice. You know, and then, of course, you have some of the intrigue, like, ooh, Loki betrays them at the end. And I'm like, no, Loki's not betraying them. I can see what he's doing right now. He's setting himself <laughs> up to be the Yeah. Because I will say this. Sometimes when they do changes... It's, you know, because of, like, movies or something, it's a little annoying. But there are some characters that I never cared for before that I like better now, like Nebula and Loki. Yeah. Definitely cared for them as much, but now that they're doing the characterization from the movies, I like them. Yeah, I, w- I would say for sure Nebula. Um, I'm always good for some classic Loki as well, but they've really expanded his character so much over the last... A uh, decade or so. It's was, it was really fun. Did you happen to read his uh, any of his series? His I read uh, some of that series. I read some yeah. of it when he was a little kid. Okay. Yeah. And he had like a dog. He had like the Hellhound or whatever. Right. Yeah. So that was it. I think it was a Journey into Mystery. Yeah, yeah. And they also did one. Was it last year? Or the year before? Um, that was was really fun too. So I, I do like how this ends. So if, even though they're angry at each other and they're basically having this huge fight, when his wife is critically injured, Thor, Odin's like, okay, we're done now. <laughs> right. This yeah. whole thing is over. Don't touch her. This is... <laughs> we're, we're done for now. <laughs> but I love when, you know, because the eye patch either falls out or breaks or whatever, and he's got, like, cosmic energy coming out of his eye socket. <laughs> Some yeah. pretty pretty gnarly panel there yeah because him even more than zeus or the other gods whenever they have those things of the cosmic characters odin's usually included maybe not maybe not as high, he's not as high up as like eternity but he's always on that grouping right so he is still the fact you know if, obviously she does have thor's power because they have to she has to to be able to stand up to him as much as she does right but yeah this was a fun one to read yeah it was nice and it's kind of right in the middle of a bunch of stuff, you know, kind of segueing from the previous storyline, getting ready for War of the Realms. Um, and gosh, that, uh, that it, it ends up not being the last page because they have the epilogue. But that, uh, yeah. that splash page of Thor when Jane, like, riding towards your point of view mm-hmm. is so gorgeous. It's a great page. Yeah, I'm looking at it right now. That is, not, that is really well done. So, yeah, no, I definitely am looking forward to reading this. Uh, I'll get there eventually. Yeah, yeah. Very cool. All right. Well, I guess that's it, everyone. Um, but Jason, let's make sure everyone knows where to find you. Yeah. So uh, for the Wolverine podcast, the Ghost Nick, you can um, find me mostly on Twitter, which which is via uh, at Snickcast. Yep. So check it out, people. Link for the show will be in the show notes. Awesome. Well, thanks, Al. Well, thank you. Appreciate it. Yeah, of course. All right. Hi, this is Chris. And this is Brian. And we are the hosts of Inner Demons, the Ghost Rider podcast. And you can find us on iTunes, Stitcher, and other podcast apps for all your Ghost Rider needs. Right on. (laughs) 
So that was Infinity Entity number one. That was a weird little thing. That it, was an it, interesting trip. Uh, what a long, what a what a short, strange trip it's been. Yes. <laughs> um, once again, reading the Starlin comics is akin to uh, tripping. Yep. <laughs> you know, Starlin comics. Here's the nice thing about Starlin comics, because a lot of times when you're doing podcasting. A lot of times with good comics, sometimes sometimes good comics are harder to podcast than bad comics. Because bad comics, you have so much to talk about. Right, so much, so much nitpicking to do and trashing of the stuff that doesn't make sense. But some, a lot of times, not always, and there's plenty of times when it's good comics, there's stuff to talk about. But a lot of times if a comic is just good, you know, nothing special, just good, It's not there's not really much to say. Starlin always gives you something to talk about. Yes, I, I, I agree with that. Yeah, no matter what it is, good or bad, you have stuff to talk about, which is and, good for doing a podcast. Because otherwise, yeah, which what's is good, the point? Which is good for us. Job security continues. Otherwise, we just end up like Chris Farley from uh, those uh, those uh, uh, Saturday Night Live. Remember when you did that? That was cool. That's what I'm saying. Because yeah, I, I can see a lot of comics. Like even some of my favorite comics, I can see if I tried to podcast about it, it would just be like, and I really like when this happened, and then I also like when this happened, and this was cool. <laughs> yeah. The next three episodes, we will be covering Entity 2, 3, and 4, so we will get to the ending of this soon enough, and we will find out what actually is happening. Really? And why? Both questions answered next time on Revelations and Adam Warlock and Thanos. No, Resurrection, sorry. (laughs) I've only been doing this for how long? And I just... Since 2014. And I just borked the name of the podcast. I suck. Okay, remember all that stuff I said about job security? I take it all back. I'm fired. All right, so who wants to take over the next three issues? Let me know. (laughs) Send your resumes, too. (laughs) All right. Well, I think we've reached the end of this one. Cool, cool. I'll be back for the next one somehow. I'll sneak my way back into the recording studio for the next one. Well, it's all I get. I mean, unless you've done any guest spots in anywhere. Have you guessed (laughs) anywhere? Nope, 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 just nope. I'm 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 monogamous to this podcast at the moment. I feel dirty now because <laughs> <laughs> I I have other, I have other things I've been on. Well, you you got you got a you got a lot of irons in the fire. It's very very cool. Hey, I would I I do other podcasts. People would just invite me. I already have a second show I'm on. Oh, I saw that. Uh, it's a Legion show, right? Yes, but not Legion of Superheroes. Hmm. Legion eighty nine, the uh, the one with the ac- the acronym one. Right, 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 right. Cool. Early Lobo too, because he he's shows up in there as issue four, and he's a regular throughout the whole series. So uh, we uh, we wrapping this up or? Uh, yep, that's it. That's it. Anything you want to say as a goodbye before we um, close up? Not 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 right now. I got I got I got nothing. I got nowhere else to go. I got nothing. I got nothing. I just you know be be good people, and uh, I will uh, talk to you next time uh, ne- on the next episode. Yep, we'll be back. Bye. Bye. Resurrections, an Adam Warlock and Thanos podcast, is a fan-made production, and no copyright infringement is intended or happening or even understood. The opening music for this podcast is Intro Pompeii by Lino Rise, and the closing music is Dark and Dramatic by DJ Puzzle.
Both are licensed by the Creative Commons license. You can find Lino Rise at free-intro-music.com and DJ Puzzle at peacelovproductions.com. Links to both can be found on the Tumblr page. And we are a cover. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That didn't take long. Nope.